What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Will Clemente is a finance major at East Carolina University. He has quickly become one of my favorite writers on all things Bitcoin, including deep dives on various on-chain analytics. You can subscribe to Will's new email newsletter by clicking on the link in the description. In this conversation, we discuss whales buying, new holders selling, minor accumulation, strong on-chain buy signals, and the convergence of fundamentals and price. I really enjoy these weekly conversations with Will, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Gemini. Gemini is a leading regulated cryptocurrency exchange, a wallet, and a custodian that makes it simple and secure to buy, sell, store, and earn Bitcoin, Ether, and over 40 other cryptocurrencies. They offer an industry-leading security, insurance, and uptime. Gemini is the go-to trusted platform for beginner and sophisticated investors alike. You can open a free account in under three minutes at Gemini.com slash POMP and get $20 of Bitcoin after you trade $100 or more within 30 days. Again, Gemini.com slash POMP and you'll get $20 of Bitcoin after you trade $100 or more within the first 30 days. I'm a big fan of Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss and what they've built with Gemini. Go check it out at Gemini.com slash POMP. Next up is LMAX Digital. If you're an institution, you know LMAX. LMAX Digital is the number one institutional crypto exchange, offering clients the deepest pool of crypto liquidity on the planet, underscored by 100% uptime track record through volatility spikes. They leverage LMAX Group's liquidity relationships and ultra-low latency technology. LMAX Digital is the market-leading solution for institutional crypto traders and custodial services. If you're a retail investor, you might not know about LMAX Digital because they only serve institutions. I've had the CEO on the podcast before. I'm a big fan of what they built. So go check out their central limit order book streaming spot, Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and others. And it's all paired with US dollars, euros, and yen. Institutions know LMAX Digital. They're secure, they're liquid, and they're trusted. Learn more at lmaxdigital.com slash pomp. Again, lmaxdigital.com slash pomp. Last but not least are my friends over at Public Rec. When I moved to Miami, I needed shorts. That's right. I wear shorts everywhere. Gets hot sometimes. And I needed a pair of shorts that I could wear anywhere and not have my wife get mad at me. So Public Rec has that. They've got the most comfortable clothes in the world, and they're on a mission to make comfort look good, too. Their fan favorite, Flex Short, is the ultimate crossover short you'll need all summer long. From the beach to the gym, this quick-drying short has you covered. Comfort starts with a better fit. You get free shipping and free returns with Public Rec. So go visit publicrec.com slash pomp and use code pomp at checkout for 10% off. Again, publicrec.com slash pomp and use code pomp at checkout for 10% off. All right, let's get this episode with Will. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Will, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm getting ready to head back to school here in like two weeks. So I'm, I'm excited to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's start just with um, this whole idea that on-chain metrics and price had diverged. It seemed like the on-chain metrics were really strong, but price kept falling uh, over the last few weeks. It now looks like we kind of are getting them to converge back uh, and the on-chain metrics are being reflected in price. How do you look at that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, for the most part, um, you know, 
market price follows what the uh, underlying investor activity is, is doing on chain. Uh, but we do have these kind of more rare occurrences where price is doing one thing while on chain is doing another. Um, and, and so like the most recent example of this that I could think of before now um, was in late January. And then before that, um, in late September, after we had this um, big crash, like 20, 25% crash before we ran on that big run up to 60K from 10K. Um, but yeah, you get these you get these rare occurrences where price is moving against on-chain. And the way I like to think of this is like, the longer that that happens, when that information finally gets priced into the market, it's gonna have a greater effect. Um, and, and so I think the fact that you've had such a large divergence, especially over, you know, such, such a longer period of time, um, you know, several more looking at almost like two months now that this has been going on um, really two, three weeks heavily. Uh, but the fact that there's such a strong divergence between the two makes me think that once that information is finally priced in, there's going to be a huge um, effect on price. So we've seen nine daily green candles. Uh, what exactly does that mean? Like, what should people take away from that? Yeah, sure. So um, just like any market, Bitcoin, um, you know, th there's traders and traders use candles. Um, and, and so for these candles, you need to have this, um, you know, a, a closing and opening for, for uh, different time frames, such as, you know, the daily, hourly. Um, people even look at like minute candles, right? Like traders that are in there, like on this really short time frames, doing all that in and out, you know, day trading stuff. Um but, you know, Bitcoin itself never closes. So, you know, I, I, a lot of people get upset whenever you say, oh, Bitcoin's closing, because people are like, oh, well, Bitcoin never closes, but technically it does. Um, for trading purposes, it does. And so Bitcoin closes at, uh, I, I just know, because I'm on Eastern time, so it's 8 p.m. Eastern time, I think it's uh, zero UTC. Um, and, and so, yeah, so for, for candles, you know, you you open and then you close and then there's wicks um, and, and so the wicks are where the price went above or below the close um, and so you can you know th there's traders that literally analyze these these candles and and so they need some kind of um, open and close threshold to be able to to do those analyzations. Got it. And so you created this 365 day like stock RSI um, over a 30 day net change of illiquid supply. That is like an alphabet soup of things to say. Explain what this metric is. And then um, it looks like right now uh, it's starting to show us some pretty interesting things, especially when you compare it to what it's uh, shown us over the past. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the name is definitely a mouthful. Like some of the stuff just sounds like really complex. It's really not. Um, what, what this basically is, is a way to kind of track the, the underlying um, supply shock in the market. Because in my opinion, that's, that's what drives Bitcoin up to have these big price rallies is, um, you know, you have this wave of supply shock and then the speculators come in and ride that wave up and, and you know, take the reins of it and, and push it up further on the speculative premium. Um, and, and so, like, when you go back and look at Bitcoin's history, I also threw in uh, the newsletter we did this week, an example from uh, the, you know, 2017, 2018, um, you know, that, that time frame. Um, and what you see is kind of, you know, at the beginning of the bull market, um, you know, well, I should, I should start here. At, you know, in the bear market, you had a capitulation event. And then going into the bull market, um, you have the supply, uh, supply shock. I like to think of it as a supply squeeze. Um, kind of just because it sounds cooler, but that's what really propels us into that main phase of the bull market. And then on the back end of that, um, you, you see, you know, supply becomes liquid again. 
Um, and so for anybody who's not familiar, basically when I'm, when I'm saying a liquid or a liquid, um, the way you can think of this is like um, the, the uh, coins moving to like entities on the blockchain that have a very low or high um, spending behavior. So liquid and, and Glassnode also has something called highly liquid, which is like a way to look at it even further, um, have like extremely high spending behavior. So these coins are in and out all day. Spe these are speculative traders, right? Then you have liquid coins, which are, you know, are in and out a fair amount. And then you have illiquid and illiquid are the way I like to think of it as the strong hands, right? Um, th these are the people that take in a lot of coins, never really sell them. These are the long-term investors that are kind of the, the, um, you know, concrete foundation of, of, uh, of Bitcoin. So, um, you know, kind of analyzing their behavior, I think has a lot of signal to it. And, you know, these are the, these, um, indications that, that, that you get from this metric aren't, um, you know, you don't get them often, but when they do come, they, they have a, a very high reliability. Um, and so what we have now is, you know, we had this big capitulation event in the end of May, a bunch of coins became liquid um, that were previously registered as strong hands. And, and so what you've had since then is just this really strong reaccumulation. Um, and so like in this broader context, uh, broader context, we've actually reached um, what, I, what I've used for this metric as um, a buy signal where we, we fully made the rounds from, you know, a full capitulation below this RSI and now we're back above it. So to me, you know, just seeing not only that, that we're in a buy signal, but um, the rate of change from that sell, from that capitulation to this new, to this new buy signal that's just flashed is really, is really, um, you know, quite incredible. Um, going, going back in Bitcoin's history, we haven't really seen anything like this aggressive per se. Like we absolutely, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, we see these supply shocks every, you know, every bull run, um, but, but nothing on, on, um, on, in this scale of, in, in terms of momentum, even, even looking back to last year, which was, you know, it's still, still a really strong wave, but yeah, th this has pretty much just been vertical accumulation since May. And so when you look at things like exchange balances, it looks like, again, uh, people are buying Bitcoin on the exchanges and they're just taking them off almost as fast as they possibly can. Is that accurate? Yeah. Um, so the, the exchange flows are, are something that I think a lot of people are familiar with now. Um, you know, the, the way that the, the premise here is that, you know, when coins are being moved onto exchanges, um, they're being sold. Um, you know, when, when they're being moved off exchanges, they're going into some kind of like custodial service or, or cold storage, not, you know, to, to be held. Um, and so this is something that, you know, a lot of analysts have been following for, the, for you know, the early mid part of this bull run up until kind of mid-April. Um, you know, you just had coins just getting ripped off of the exchanges. Um, and so, you know, in, in, in mid-April, all of a sudden you had like, you know, between then and, and, uh, and March, I mean, I'm sorry, and uh, May 19th, you had like 145,000 coins that came onto exchanges. And so, you know, that, that was obviously highly bearish because you had a lot of people moving those coins onto exchanges to be sold. So that was like kind of an indication that, you know, we were going to need this kind of prolonged um, reaccumulation phase because a lot of coins had been sold. Um, but since then, since, since May 19th, we've kind of just been um, grinding sideways bearish. Um, well, I shouldn't say sideways bearish, sideways down, which is actually bullish uh, for this indicator because it's saying the exchange balances are going down. Um, but this week we've got this really large down drop. Um, and, and anybody who was on Twitter, by the way, um, might have seen yesterday that um, there were these huge reported outflows. And um, I, I left that data out. This, this data is only going up to Thursday. I, I left the, I mean, only up to Wednesday. I, I left the Thursday uh, data out just because um, 
some some of those transfers were internal. It just hasn't been picked up by Glassnode's heuristics yet. So I just you know wanted to just be on the safe side and just leave that data out. But um, even even excluding that, um, which is showing like like a ridiculous you know uh, sig- signature on the chart. That's why I just left it out because you know there's, there's no way that that that's true. It has to partially be internal. Um, you know, it, it, we're still seeing really strong accumulation um, in terms of the, the uh, exchange flows as well. Got it. And so when you look at this exchange flow Bollinger Bands, right, basically what you're doing is you're overlaying charts on top of each other. And then they're telling you, hey, based on the historical context, when this happens, it usually leads to prices going up or down and it literally flashes green or red. Uh, This Bollinger Band, explain what this is and then why is it flashing green right now? Yeah, sure. Um, So like traditionally, people use Bollinger Bands just to kind of gauge um, well, A, the track volatility, and then also to see, you know, in a general sense, when when prices are at the bottom of the bands, um, you know, prices are low. When, when prices are at the top of the bands, prices are high. And then you can kind of build like this general premise to make other like trading decisions based off of that. Um, but, you know, I, 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 like I said, you know, I think the, the exchange balances, um, the flows have some merit to them. And I wanted to kind of figure out how I could kind of take it a step further. And so on Glassnode, you can run different technical indicators, which the Bollinger Bands are a technical indicator. Um, and, and so, you know, playing around with them, I, I, you know, ran the Bollinger Bands over them. And I found this interesting, um, somewhat of a signal where you see when when this breaks below the Bollinger Band, you know, what that's showing is like there's super aggressive outflows, um, you know, that broke out of the band that it's been, you know, that it's been winding in. Um, and so to me, you know, that, that's a bullish signal because, you know, once again, you're, you're seeing heavy accumulation, you're seeing heavy buying, people are moving coins off exchanges. And so like going back and looking at this chart, it's given some really good buy signals, um, you know, going back to like March 2020. Um, and it's also given some some pretty solid uh, sell signals, like, you know, uh, in September before we had that big 20, 25% crash. Um, and then also in, in late May before we had the big capitulation. Um, and, and the way that, you know, I'm saying a sell signal is conversely to, you know, the, the metric going below the Bollinger Bands, it's when that when it goes above. So, you know, that's showing really strong inflows to exchanges and that's, that's you know, presumed selling. So when we look at the net realized profit or loss, basically this idea of where people, uh, if they were to sell today, they would make money or lose money. Uh, talk about where we are on this, because it was negative for quite a while, but now it looks like we've gone into uh, into the positive again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like a lot of the coins that had been trading in the range, um, and, and this kind of goes um, uh, you know, along with what we were saying about this whole reaccumulation phase, we're, we're selling at a loss. So as people who bought at higher prices, we're selling at lower prices. Um, and, and so, you know, to me, that was, that was just, once again, evidence of the fact that, you know, it was younger market participants, newer market participants um, that were selling while you had these strong hands that were coming in and buying the coins and were offsetting, um, you know, the, the selling from those from those weak hands. And it was just a matter of, you know, when that when that process uh, completed. But, you know, it looks like now after trading in, in um, you know, a, a long range of, of uh, you know, net losses being realized, we're actually starting to see net profit being realized, which is, you know, which is, of course, a, a positive thing because, you know, uh, investors are in profit again. Um, and, and so, you know, they're, they're more likely not to, um, you know, uh, capitulate. Right. So the, the other way to the other way to think about it is like. You, you don't want, you know, as soon as we just start to have, you know, a, a bounce, you don't want to just see long-term investors that have been holding off in this range just all of a sudden start, you know, dumping their coins, you know, just looking for some kind of exit liquidity. Um, and, and so to me, like, 
this is not alarming necessarily, but I just wanted to take it a step further. So like you had, you had two, $2.4 billion of, of realized profit on Tuesday, but I wanted to see, you know, is that coming from people that had bought lower in the range, right? Or is it coming from, you know, longer term investors that were just looking for some kind of dead cat bounce and, and exit liquidity to, you know, move out and, you know, they, they think that the market's bearish. Um, and so of course you wanna kind of follow what the smart money is doing. And so just like looking into this a step further, looking at the average age of the coins being sold, um, you know, that's that's still just kind of sideways and the overall trend of that is down. So, you know, it's still younger and younger coins overall being sold. Actually on Tuesday, when we had that large, um, you know, event of, of realized profits, the, the average age of coins actually trended down. So to me, this is showing that, you know, it's, it, it, it's people that bought in this range, I don't know, maybe in the, in the low thirties. Right. And, and so they're now kind of um, like pulling some chips off the table at, at the top of the range. Cause we still are technically um, in this 30, 40 K range. Um, and then, you know, just to take it a step further, aside from just the average age of the coins, you can actually look at by, by age cohort, um, you know, how much selling has come from the, from those different ages. So like, you know, uh, an hour. You can look at coins, um, you know, between seven and 10 years, between a year and two years, et cetera. Um, and so looking at, you know, coins between one week and, and three months, you saw this huge spike in that as well on Wednesday. So, um, you know, obviously in the last three months, pretty much we've been in this range, um, you know, between, between the last week and three months. So to me, that that's indicating as well that a lot of the selling on Tuesday was coming from uh, people in the range once again. Sopra is something that we've talked about nonstop. Remind people what Sopra is and then what you're seeing there. Yeah, um, Sopra is actually like very similar to that. Uh, just like the way you, you get to it is, is different. Um, Sopra is the, the spent output profit ratio. So it's basically looking at the profit of the coins that are trading on any, on, like, on any given day. Um, and so what you wanna see you know, in, in a bull market is that you know, obviously coins are, are gonna be trading in profit. And um, whenever this slightly dips below one, which you know, below one coins are trading at a loss on, in aggregate, right? And, and that one that, you know, it's, it's just flat, it's just completely neutral. And like in a raging bull market, this is a good way to look at, you know, the second it, it dips below one, you know, those are really good buy opportunities in, a, you know, in a raging bull market. Of course, you need to look at other things to, you know, kind of build that premise that you are in a bull market because, you know, you might buy when it dips below one and, you know, it's not a raging bull market and, you know, it just keeps going further down. So uh, that, that's one way that like people, I think traditionally use Soper in, in bull markets. And then conversely, you can use it in the bear market when you know you're in a bear trend, um, you know, the second that it goes above one. Um, and, you know, if you, you use other metrics that once again, determine you are in this bearish market, um, then you can use that to, um, you know, as kind of sell signals instead of buy signals in a, in a, in a bull market. Um, but anyway, so right now we, we've gone back above, uh, back above one. Um, and what I would like to see here is us to either A, kind of like stabilize above one or B, you know, have, have some kind of price correction. Um, you know, today we're down like 2%. I'd like to see, you know, like some kind of like five, 10% plus correction. Um, and for us to bounce off of one. Um, and to me, that would, that would be a really good sign, uh, you know, that, that we have, you know, that we're back in a bull market. Before I turn it over to my brothers real quick to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, what about miners? What are they doing? Are they in profit? Are they not? Are they accumulating selling? Yeah, this is, um, this is interesting because, uh, you know, miners, miners played a role in, in the capitulation event that we had down in, in late May. Um, and, you know, probably part of the reason why, why we kind of chopped around in that range for a while and kind of was moving, you know, sideways bearish. Um, but, you know, 
for almost for almost two months now, um, miners have actually been accumulating. And, you know, part of that is due to, you know, we had this big drop in hash rate and then you had this massive like record difficulty adjustment. And so now the miners that are still on the network are like extremely profitable. Um, and so, you know, it, 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 you know, it's just from, you know, first principles, it makes absolute sense why, you know, you're seeing this really strong accumulation. Joe, John, what questions you guys got? Well, what's going on, man? Uh, Big fan of your work. I only open up his email the day that you write. <laughs> I got you. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and smack that. Uh, that was a pretty good one. It took me like 30 minutes to think of that. So, uh, no. So for people that don't look, uh, don't necessarily have uh, kind of background in financial markets, don't look at technical indicators, don't kind of look at any of these on-chain metrics, uh, but they own Bitcoin. They see it as whether it's a store of value or just part of their long-term uh, holdings or financial strategy. Should they be caring about on-chain metrics? Are there certain things that they should be looking at? Uh, where do they start? Is it important, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there are some people that just don't care, right? Like there's people that are just, I'm going to DCA. I'm not, I don't care about any charts or anything. Yep. Um, and those people are definitely out and, you know, out and spoken on Twitter. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think on-chain can be useful to, um, you know, just kind of have some directional awareness, right? Like, yeah, maybe you're not going to make a, a trading decision based off of it, but with some people just to, you know, like to enjoy, um, you know, knowing kind of where we are in terms of, you know, traditional market cycles or, um, you know, where, what's the behavior of the investors on, you know, just so they can be, you know, prepared and, and you know, just aware of, of where, you know, kind of where we are. Um, and so, you know, I think for, for just people who are going to hodl and just, you know, they, they don't care about, you know, you know, price fluctuations, I think there, there can still be some value for them there. Um, in, in terms of like how to, how to go about like learning on chain, I, you know, I think there's a couple good newsletters. Um, of course, like I'm going to show my own, but Glassnode also does like an, an excellent newsletter. Um, Willie Wu does one as well, but his is $50. I think it's $50 a month. Um, but you know, mine's free and, and Glassnode is also free. So for people who are just like looking to just dip their toes in the water, um, I think those are two really good options. Um, and you know, those go straight to your email as well. So, you know, th that, that's a good way to get started. Also, you know, Glassnode on, on their website, they have something called the Glassnode Academy and it's just, you know, it's, it's completely free. It's just, um, basically like an introduction program to kind of get, uh, you know, good understanding of, of kind of like the, uh, you know, very entry level metrics and things like that. Will, thank you for doing this. Um, I also enjoy your letter every day when you write it. I make sure to like it as well. Um, <laughs> I am curious what you like, what you use to look at on-chain metrics, what services um, are out there available, which ones do you like, which ones do you not like? Um, and like, is there anything people should basically be looking at or staying away from? Yeah, sure. Great question. Um, I, I, you know, I think, I think overall, um, you know, it's, it's still a very um, niche like little little segment of even Bitcoin, um, the, the whole on-chain uh, analysis community. So, you know, I, I think I think the on-chain community does a good job of kind of policing itself, where people will call each other out for bad work. Um, and so, like, I, I don't think necessarily there's any any providers that I would say to stay away from. Um, you know, I personally prefer Glassnode just because you know, I think I think they have some really interesting um, data, especially around entities. I think um, there's a lot of signal in, in their entity uh, data that is proprietary to them. So I see merit I see merit in them for that reason. 
Um, but, you know, th there's other really good data providers out there, including uh, Nick Carter's Coinmetrics, which I think is um, probably one of the more popular ones. And then also CryptoQuant, um, which is based out of uh, South Korea. So, um, you know, there's some other small and up, up, up and coming ones like uh, ByteTree I know of. They're, they're based out of England. And then also uh, WhaleMap. They do some really interesting, um, unique data, you know, kind of uh, tracking whale movements. And uh, they, they've come up with some creative metrics there. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's still it's still a small, um, very very niche thing. So yeah, I think overall, like it, it does a good job of of kind of policing itself. Yeah, appreciate that. Well, when you think about uh, what people should do with the metrics, I know that we, you and I have talked about it before. Is this something that you think should just guide their overall view of kind of the macro environment of Bitcoin? Do you think it's something that they should be trading on? Do you think that uh, it's just kind of one data point? It's the Bible of data points. How, how do you think about it? Yeah. Um, you know, the way I think about on-chain is it's best used to find broader trends. You know, you can look at on-chain and like you can watch like the intradaily exchange flows and you can drive yourself absolutely crazy doing that. Like, you know, I, I think the real value is following like what's going on over multi, you know, multi-week basis, multi-month basis. You know, where are we in terms of, um, you know, a, a broader sense and kind of gain this kind of like directional awareness and, you know, in terms of, um, you know, how, how is the kind of like underlying investor activity looking? Because on-chain is basically like x-ray vision of the market. Um, and you can see what all different kind of entities are doing by, by age, you know, by their size, if they're exchanges, if they're you know, retail, whatever. Um, and so like, I, I think that's, that's the best way to use it is as kind of like this foundational premise in a broader sense. Um, and like, if I was going to make any trading you know, decisions, I would, I would use it that way. But I also think, you know, it, it should be used in confluence with other things. You know, I think, um, all good traders, you know, look for confluence across, you know, multiple different kinds of indicators. So you can use things like technical analysis, you know, order flow analysis, follow liquidity, um, you know, whatever it may be, but I, I just see on-chain, even if, even if you don't um, see it as like your primary way to analyze the market, I still think it's a very strong um, supplemental uh, way, way to, to analyze things and at least kind of give you this like situational awareness as to, you know, okay, yeah, we're, we're you know, seeing strong accumulation. We're still not in, you know, bear ter territory. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, we're, we're still in, in this underlying bull market, even though price action is perhaps saying another thing, or you can maybe, you know, use it to have that foundational premise and then use the technical analysis to get more of kind of like a accurate entry, or you can use order book flow analysis to get like, a, you know, a more solid entry. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, it, it's best used with other things, right. And, and looking for confluence amongst, you know, like as many things as possible. If you get, if you get confluence amongst on-chain, technical analysis and fundamental analysis and, you know, whatever, you know, kind of like order books and stuff, you know, that, that to me is like the ultimate buy, you know, and, and, and this is what we had been tracking over the past month is like, you had this confluence with volatility where volatility was really tightening up. You know, it looked like volatility was, was getting ready for this massive move. Um, and at the same time, we had, we had been tracking this, you know, quote unquote supply squeeze um, where we had more and more coins getting reaccumulated, um, you know, by, by those strong hands from, from the speculative traders. So, you know, I think there was some, there was some synergy in that, right. Where you had this, these, uh, this confluence across, across two different things. And, and um, you know, I think those, those are the best opportunities. Will, you're a legend. Where can we send people to find you on Twitter or uh, subscribe to the email? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me on, Pump. This was this was really fun, and uh, it was nice to meet your brothers as well. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter at W Clementi I I I, um, and then I have a uh, newsletter that's free, goes out uh, every week, and then you know sometimes I'll send out an intra weekly one if you know if I if I see something like super interesting. Um, but it's it's WC three. I'm sorry, BTC uh, by WC three at Substack.com, um, and it's also in my bio on my Twitter, so you can just click that. People, uh, people in the comments love you, which means that uh, you're doing a great job. So keep it up. Uh, I think that you're going to end up passing uh, Joe and Twitter followers by the end of the year, but that's just my thought process. <laughs> what's Joe at? Uh, Two seventy five. Oh, he you up. He said, "What's Joe at?" Oh, he's, like, do I got a, he's like, "Do I got a chance?" I think you got a chance. Well, what are you you're at? killing it? I think I'm at uh, like one fifty five or one fifty six. He's at one fifty six. So uh, last year Joe was at zero. Will what you you were at what at the beginning of the year? Uh, God, like two thousand. Two thousand wow. to one fifty five in about six months. Joe, you went from what at the beginning of the year? Zero to two seven. No, you didn't have zero at the beginning of the oh, year. Oh, oh, I'm talking about last year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to check. His growth is more. Will's growth is more. Yeah, Will's yeah. growth Will, is Will, more. Will's uh, hockey sticking it right now. <laughs> All right, we're gonna see that. I like it. That's the big. Uh, that's the big competition I want to see. Joe <laughs> on a tear. LeBron James retweeting him. He's just. But Will, man, Will's got the beast, the apex predator, yeah, tailwinds the, the, for the, him. The Bitcoin community uh, is a little more passionate than sports. I think sometimes. <laughs> hey, some would argue that Bitcoin is uh, better than New York Yankees, but uh, that, that's. <laughs> All right, Will. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you. Talk soon, buddy.